You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 69. Dudes. Nope, just kidding. Sexy Games. Nice. Nice. Oh, yeah, Justin. We're about to get schmexy. (laughs) If you say so. Uh, Yeah, we we have a uh, a lot of stuff here that is... Either the game has some sexy elements to it, or the song, maybe the song title has some sexy elements to it. We are pushing the envelope, uh, some might say, <laughs> trying yes. to you know stay family friendly, but also acknowledge that we are on episode sixty-nine, dudes. That that joke is going to be repeated often. And I, oh yeah, I I am not sorry. So no, you and I were talking about it. We were going to do sixty, you know, sixty-nine, dudes. Obviously, a reference to the Bill and Ted movie. We started going back and forth about this, and we decided, hey, why don't we do an episode on, like, love and sexy games, like sexy games. So that's what we're doing. This is coming out on the 17th of February. So this past Sunday, if you're listening to this in, you know, the week it comes out, you know, you may have been curling up by the fire with your lover, your lava, poured some <laughs> uh, some sweet champagne, and I don't know, made Had a nice chocolate lava cake? No. <laughs> yeah. Made, made some chocolate lava cake and then played with finger puppets. I don't know, but Chinese finger trust. The bottom line is we're doing a sexy episode. There may be some potentially, like, discussion here and there on certain elements of certain games. If that's an issue for you, you may want to listen without the kiddos present, just as a heads up. So we're just giving you a little, little friendly warning. I think we're going to be fairly clean overall. The yeah, gross. We, we've... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I showered today. Uh, we've touched on like some of the some of the types of games that we're going to touch on here. We've touched on in previous episodes, and nobody's sure. complained. So I think we'll be in the clear. Uh, I mean, either that or we'll be shut down tomorrow. One or the other. Right, right, right. <laughs> either way, the track we came in on was from a game called Feel the Magic X Y Slash X X. This came out on the Nintendo DS in 2004. The track was called Love Scene, and it's by Mariko Nanba. You and I were talking about this game before the break, and we both made pretty much the same comment. We were both like, oh, man, I haven't played this in forever. Yeah, so this was probably one of the first games I got uh, after I got a Nintendo DS. Yeah, this was a launch game, I believe. 
Yeah, yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'll be honest, I probably bought it because the cover looked really cool. Uh, I mean, it's it's a like a silhouette of a woman in a bikini, and her hair and the bikini like she is stark white against a colorful background, and the bikini that she's wearing and her hair are uh, like a dark red, so they st- so it, it all stands out. But it looked really cool. But it's also kind of like a mix between like the WarioWare games and like a rhythm game. You know the Wii Fitness Girl? Oh, she does look like the Wii Fitness Girl. She looks exactly like the Wii Fitness Girl and then they recently came out with a fitness boxing game called Fitness Boxer 2 and they use the same type of silhouette, the same type of colors. I pointed it out on my Twitter and I was like, yo, Sega, listen, you know, Nintendo's stealing from you. We all know that you did this silhouette girl thing first. Yeah, got to give the respect where it's deserved, man. I, I hadn't even thought of that. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're right. They, they do look similar because of the the way that they were designed. Good call. For sure, for sure. Huh. Yeah, this game is also known as Project Rub before it came out, and uh, the whole point of the game is you're playing as a young gentleman trying to impress a young lady, and you are helped by the Rub Rabbits. The Rub Rabbits are basically a group of people that. <laughs> help you on your quest to woo this girl and charm her. The guy meets this girl and instantly falls in love, but she is obviously not, you know, head over heels in love with this guy. So you're basically working with the rub rabbits to persuade her romantically to try to gain her affection. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Uh, the game only uses the stylus and the microphone. So no actual button pressing or anything like that. Um, yeah, I remember that That was one of the things that I thought was really neat. Uh, yeah. I, I, I remember like just being amazed at what they were putting on there. Uh, it, I, I think it's, it's like a, an N64 handheld. Uh, either way, like not using any of the buttons and just like this was, I think, the first like touch screen related game console I ever had. Like the, the Wii didn't come out for another few years, not that it was touch screen, but like the motion controls. Right. And I can't think of anything else that was using a touch screen at the time or previously. So it was just really cool that you know, everything, like you were basically directly interacting with the game and this one it was just like talk blow on the microphone or or, or draw on the touch screen or like use the styles on the touch screen and don't right. don't even worry about the buttons don't don't think about it don't worry about it yeah this is back when sega was like hey we're just gonna make fun crazy mm. wacky games they were still in that dreamcast saturn mindset where they were just playing you know they were just <laughs> they, they made really innovative unique games and i think the ds was uh, a system that would allow them to continue working in ways like that and working with Nintendo on this sort of stuff. It was cool. It was a fun game. Um, I kind of miss it in a way. You know, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, man, that game was pretty cool. Like, I had a lot of fun with it. I beat it. And, yeah, it was it was good times. Uh, this music, though, what did, what did you think of this track? It was really, like, kind of airy and, and relaxing. It was almost like drinking, I don't know, like a Sprite, like a really cold, <laughs> crisp Sprite. Uh, I'm not a fan of Sprite, so uh, I might. I might change that to a seven up, but uh, I, you're I gonna would... blow. You're gonna blow our Sprite sponsorship, man. <laughs> well, you should probably tell me about the sponsorship before the show. Oh right, uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I I like this one. It felt kind of odd to me. Like it felt like it was slowed down. And I don't think it was because, I mean, as we said, I haven't played this in forever and I I don't really remember it that well other than just the enjoyment that I got out of it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I'm not sure if it was a track from elsewhere in the game that they did slow down or if it's just 
like how how this track is because I mean it didn't sound slowed down in the sense that like the vocalization sounded fine like when you mm. slow down vocals there's usually like a drag on them or, or, or like a, a gap and you can hear it uh, yeah. so that that wasn't there but uh, I would say overall like it was very chill uh, I, I agree drinking a crisp beverage of, crisp of clear lemon, color of <laughs> a clear color lemon lime variety maybe yeah. it's a sprite maybe it's a seven up but you know <laughs> we want that Sprite sponsorship, so we're leaning towards Sprite. Right, right. right but right, overall, right. like I, for, for as, as chill as it was, like the vocalizations, like they weren't saying any words, but the vocalizations were just really cool. I, I enjoyed what they added to the, uh, yeah. to the music. I, I agree. I, I kind of got like a '60s vibe from it. Did you? '60s? Uh, I could see it. I could see it. Like, like, like it was like commercially, <laughs> kind of like a commercial. Pretty cool game and uh, fun soundtrack. A lot of the other music is very similar to this. Basically, if you like mini games, you'll love this. It's very similar to like the uh, WarioWare type games, like you know, in terms of gameplay. So Mariko Nanba started off working with Sega on Worldwide Soccer Sega International Victory Goal Edition in 1995, uh, where they're credited for sound staff. Uh, later on, worked on Knuckles Chaotix in the same year. Hmm. Games like Planet Ring in 2000, where they were credited for sound design. They also worked on Space Channel 5 Part 2, which could be one of the reasons <laughs> why we're feeling like a kind of 60s mm. vibe there. Then uh, continued working on various different Sonic-related properties, like Sonic the Hedgehog in 2006, the uh, much disliked Sonic game. Uh, You're talking about Sonic, Sonic 06? Sonic 06, <laughs> that's right. Sonic Rush Adventure in 2007, Sonic Unleashed. You know, basically continued working on Sonic games. Uh, the newest game that they've worked on is Space Channel 5 VR Kind of Funky News Flash, and uh, they're credited for music and arrangements. So possibly they did the new music, but they also did, like, arrangements of their old music, which, again, a lot of the music comes from Ken Woodman's uh, Mexican Flyer, which is, like, the primary track oh, in uh, yeah, Space Channel yeah. 5. We talked about it on the uh, mm -hmm. the Dreamcast episode that we did. I think yeah, it was 30-something, 33 or something. I don't know. That's about it. So uh, we're going to jump into the first pick. That is going to be from me, which is Parappa the Rapper 2. I love this game. This came out on the PS2 in 2002. The song is called Romantic Love, <laughs> and it's by Masaya Matsura, Yoshihisa Suzuki, Naoto Sugai, Ryo Watanabe, John Simpson 3, who played Parappa, and Ryu Watabe, who played Chop Chop Master Onion. Let's hit it. Yes, it is time to get romantic. <laughs> time to get romantic, yes indeed, that's for sure. The kick point star remains basic, sure. never pending, always the fast to make a move. This time we get down nice and smooth. Ha, 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 ha. Love kick. Love kick. Love punch. Love punch. Love Yes, 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 yes. Hi, hi. Hold hands. Hold hands. 
face to face. Face to face. So get romantic. Get romantic. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Love style. Love style. You and me. You and me. Together forever. Together forever. Never to part. Never to part. Look up in the sky. Look up in the sky. See the stars. See the stars. I hold you tight. I hold you tight. Lovers we are. Lovers we are. So I'm the sensei. You are my students. But before that, you and I are friends. We really know each other anywhere we can. We all need love, no matter woman or a man. <laughs> Smooth like butter. Smooth like butter. Caress your lover. Caress your lover. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Won't last forever. Won't last forever. Love punching. Love punching. Soft. Chopping, chopping, sweet kicking, sweet kicking. It's all about the mind. It's all about the mind. Tamanegi flavor, tamanegi flavor. Wish I was a player, wish I was a player. I'm a taxpayer, I'm a taxpayer. Need a good lawyer, need a good lawyer. And so we go. Yes, this is the final chapter. I hope that all your questions were answered. Cause I'm majestic, now romantic. I know love will be the key to save our planet. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday. 24 7, each and every single day. This is how we do the last lesson. L-O-V-E, your brand new prescription. <laughs> kick, kick, punch, jump, balls. Kick, kick, punch, jump, balls. Smooth, chop. Love with rose. Smooth chop. Love with rose. Duck twist. Twist and punch. Duck twist. Twist and punch. Hug kiss. Love then chop. Hug kiss. Love then chop. Ta ma. Negi sensei. Ta ma. Negi sensei. Here he comes to make way. Here he comes to make way. Smooth, very, very romantic. I love you. See you next time. Much love to you too, Sensei. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Parappa the Rapper 2, which came out on the PlayStation 2 in 2002. Lots of twos there. <laughs> the, the track was called Romantic Love, and it was by Masaya Matsura, Yoshihisa Suzuki, Naoto Sugai, Ryo Watanabe, John Simpson III, who is playing Parappa in that, and Ryu Watabe, who plays Chop Chop Master Onion. Oh, man. This was so good. So good. So fun. I was never really big into the Parappa series when I was younger because there was just other things that I was playing. I had heard about them. They looked neat, but I just I didn't get into rhythm games probably until, well, I mean, Dance Dance Revolution, but either way. Sure. Uh, but every time I hear a song from Parappa, it's always a good time. Oh, so sure. like d- my my experience with it notwithstanding, this was hilarious. I I have to say I'm a little concerned that Chop Chop Master Onion needs a lawyer. Uh, I I, I want to say romantic love should not involve physical altercations, but <laughs> it was it, it was definitely amusing and. Uh, I like the like the tone that both Ryu and John bring to their roles. Like Parappa sounds like, you know, a kid trying to follow up and 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 do what he's doing. And uh, Chop Chop Master Onion just sounds like this guy is like this. This is what's going on. Like, just do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they both reprised their roles from the first game. Right. right. Also, they were in uh, Um Jammer Lamy as well. But mm-hmm. 
my favorite whole rapping phrase of the entire thing was the Tamanegi flavor. Wish I was a player. I'm a taxpayer. Need a good lawyer. So he needs a good lawyer because he's a taxpayer. He's a taxpayer. Yeah, yeah. I did hear yeah, the taxpayer yeah. line, but just like anytime somebody says I need a lawyer, it's usually because they did something they shouldn't have done. Right, <laughs> maybe, right, right. Maybe, maybe he filed his taxes incorrectly. Who knows? Also, hearing this song, it reminds me that when I was playing the game back in the day, I always thought when he was listing the names of the days, when he was like Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, or sauce, I thought he was saying sauce day. And I was like, sauce day or Thursday? What is he saying? It was very confusing, but yeah. So sauce day. Hmm. Uh, a great track. I mean, I, I absolutely love this game. It's one of my favorites on the PS2. Uh, I go back to it very often. One of my favorite parts of it is the two-player mode. Uh, I miss oh, it because, yeah. I, you know, obviously not hanging out with anybody because of COVID right now. But I would, re- on the regular, have people over, and we would just pop in Parappa, uh, specifically Parappa 2, mm-hmm. and we would play this this song or whatever song, and we would just, some of the lines that they come up with in this game are just so ridiculous. And <laughs> the thing is, you can battle. So you try to come up with the most ridiculous stuff and battle with each other. And, like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's just hilarious it's to do. It's just a good time, yeah. There's this one part where, like, one of the characters says burgers. So he'll just be like, burgers, 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 burgers. Burgers. So we also we, we used to call it the burger breakdown. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. I remember a time where there was a, just a bunch of people over, and you popped this on, and we, you know, we, we were we were doing like the battles, and at one point you did have the burger breakdown. So yeah, I, man, you gotta I have familiar. the burger <laughs> Yeah, you are you are versed in the burger breakdown then. Burgers, bur- bur- burgers, yes. Burgers, burgers. Yeah, good times. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But the game was, like, I remember when I got this, I got the PS2, and this was one of the first games that I picked up. One of the things I like about the music is that it it's rap, like it's, you know, hip-hop, but it is more alternative hip-hop. So all the music is very jazz-oriented, jazz, funk, yeah. uh, R&B, Motown. There's a lot of, like, urban style in it without it being like hardcore hip-hop or rap album so to speak you know or or soundtrack there's some rap stars that are actually on the soundtrack that are like some of their characters they play some of the characters and they also like rap with parappa so that's cool i didn't i didn't realize that there were like famous people playing any of these other roles i I assumed that that was all that's yeah that's really cool i'll have to check that out too because i'm now i'm curious as to who it was yeah i can't remember off the top of my head but the plot of the game is ridiculous so parappa (laughs) is this little dog boy person thing he won a century's worth supply of instant noodle products but uh he is kind of spent like ugh, i don't want to eat noodles every day what ends up happening is uh, they go to this place called Beard Burger, and they learn that all the food in town is starting to turn into noodles. So, like, they order a burger, it turns into noodles. They order, you know, uh, fries, it turns into noodles. The reason for that is because the Beard Burger master's son 
who is Colonel Noodle. That's his name. He's revealed to be the son of Beard Burger Master, and he hates... He grew up eating burgers all his life, and so now he's decided that noodles will rule the world. There's even an actual song where he talks about noodles ruling the world. Oh, wow. And so Parappa's got to basically go through all this stuff to make him realize that, you know, pizza, burritos, it all tastes good. Not to quote the game, but I just did. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. Good stuff. That's cool. I, I never realized that there was actually a story to these games. I, I, oh, I thought it was sure. just an excuse to, to have fun with rapping. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's it's a dumb story. It's si- super silly and goofy, but like, I mean, <laughs> it's me. Would you have it any other way? I mean, really. Not at all. No. Yeah. So it's a great soundtrack. I highly recommend playing the game. Regarding Ryu Watabe and John Simpson the third, really just credited for Parappa 1, Parappa 2, Umjammer Lamy, and PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. Oh, that's awesome that they're in that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them are in those four games. John Simpson the third is also known as Dread Fox. I think that's his, like, rapper name. Hmm. Ryo Watanabe is one of the composers, one of the other composers. Started off with Um Jammer Lamy in 1999, did Vib Ripple in 2004. Ace Combat did a lot of the Ace Combat games uh, up until 2019's Skies Unknown Ace Combat 7. Naoto Sugai started off with uh, Um Jammer Lamy, Parappa 2, and then the final game, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. He is credited oh. for drums on that in 2003. Oh, that's cool. I know that game. Yep. Yoshihisa Suzuki only did Um Jammer Lamy and Parappa 2. The main composer on this one is Masaya Matsura, who is also the designer and creator uh, or co-creator of Parappa. So he started off doing Seven Colors Legend of Sai S. City in 1993 and then moved on to Metamore Jupiter in 1993. You could probably guess where we're headed from here with the Parappa series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he also worked on Viv Ripple in 2004. Final game was the Parappa credits for PlayStation All-Stars Royale. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. So he's kind of, he's been working on other stuff since then, but like not anything audio-wise. Hmm. All right. Well, it looks like we're getting a call on our call and request line. Let's go ahead and have Janine send that on over. XBGM Radio, who is this and what can we do for you? Uh, yeah, hi, this is Aaron from Game Grumps. Um, I'm just, I'm just here calling my favorite radio station, uh, XBGM Radio, uh, because I wanted to request a song, okay? You guys take requests for songs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, so anyway, uh, my, the song I wanted to request was Synth Cult from Dream Daddy's OST, because I, I really like that game, you know? Not that I have anything to do with it or anything. (laughs) course yeah right Right. so the 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 point is uh play the song gosh d it i don't know if i can swear on can i swear on the radio no no all right cool well this is pre-recorded so i don't know what your answer is but neat (laughs) anyway synth cole from dream daddy's osd roll it baby i want to hear it oh my goodness (laughs) wow well that's that's the most famous person we've ever had call in well uh Thanks, Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps for calling in. Heck yeah, a.k.a. Ego Raptor. Um, yes. Yeah, so this is going to be Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. This came out in Steam in 2017 and on the Nintendo Switch in 2019. Uh, as Aaron said, the track is called Synth Cult, and it was composed by Jesse Kale.
Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Synth Cult from Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, which came out in Steam in 2017, Switch in 2019, and composed by Jesse Kale. Yeah, also known as Stranger Things. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very, like, 80s synth or even modern, like, synth wave. Right. It gave me some sort of, like, uh, just to throw out names of synth wave bands that I enjoy. Carpenter Brut vibes. Uh, if anybody out there is familiar with Carpenter Brut and his latest, I think it's his latest, at the time of the recording, I believe it's, uh, his latest album is The Blood Machines OST, which is technically the soundtrack to a 50 minute movie called Blood Machines, which is basically just a really long music video for Carpenter Brut's music. <laughs> <laughs> that track is really, really <laughs> like sludgy goopy like there's something about it it just feels grimy and uh, not very sexy per se uh, but I would say the game is what 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 gets it into today's episode but uh, I really I really enjoyed the track itself like it 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 has a lot of elements of what I like out of synthwave and and to know that that's in a game that otherwise does not have music (laughs) quite like this the rest of the OST is not synthy okay um it's very, very different. Uh, in fact, I was doing a little bit of research on this track and why it's the only track in here like this, and I think it's actually from a cut ending. So there are many endings to this game that you can get. Uh, I guess maybe we should talk about the game itself. Yes, please please tell <clears throat> us all about this really <laughs> strange, different, but really uh, intriguing game. So Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, uh, was developed and published under Game Grumps. The history of the game, I mean, you can go to Wikipedia or uh, listen to interviews with Aaron uh, about what happened here. But there were some folks that worked for Game Grumps that just had an idea. They wanted to make this game. They went to Aaron with it and he was just like, sure. But they, they wanted to kind of like expand their brand and like test the waters of other things. Sure. So they were like. Yeah, do it. Let's uh, let's give it a shot. Yeah, there are a lot of dating sims out there, and a lot of the dating sims are either like nowadays there there's a lot of like really weird horror themed uh, dating games. But other than that, it's like you're a guy, you like a girl, or there's a number of girls that you can date and whatever. And it's very like cut and dry, cookie cutter. And they wanted to do for one something that was slightly different, and for two something that wasn't just a guy going after a girl. So right. they decided to go into just like a homosexual relationship thing and not even make it be the center of attention like there's no there's no talking about sexuality in this game like they don't really address anything like that like it, it doesn't get deep into like societal issues sure. with, um, with with homosexuality or anything it's just you are a single father uh, with your daughter I believe her name is Amanda you've just moved to this uh, this new town called Maple Bay uh, you're living in a cul-de-sac and everybody else in the, in the cul-de-sac are also single fathers so mm-hmm. you have the option of romancing them there's all sorts of different folks like they have a lot of different like body builds and personalities mm-hmm. so they they tried to get a, a good variety of characters that you can that, that, that you can go for and a lot of them are voiced by people from the game Grumps crew like I think Ninja Brian um, mm-hmm. of Ninja Sex Party fame is one of the characters. A lot of the people that were part of this have moved on uh, from from Game Grumps at this point. But uh, Barry Kramer voices a character, and I'm pretty sure Aaron does as well. 
I don't think Danny did. Oh, Aaron's but, a voice actor. Like he did. He's oh yeah, like, I know. Yeah, yeah. He oh yeah, he's done actor. a ton of stuff. And yeah, yeah. He, he's a uh, Mighty Magiswords on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's done a ton of stuff aside yeah. from his animation as Eager Raptor and his Game Grump stuff uh, as as Aaron. Yeah, no, he right. he is he's a legit voice actor. You can look him up on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure that I, I just don't remember if he actually voiced one of the characters in here or not because they're, they're there's just a handful. That, that's sort of the game. Like I said, so you're just a guy with your daughter uh, and you're looking looking for love or maybe not even looking for love, but just happen happen to stumble upon it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really cool. I have not played this one, not for any particular reason. It's just, I don't really do dating sims, but I've heard over and over like how fun and, and funny and, and actually like good the game is. Like it doesn't take homosexuality as a joke. It's not like right. we're not making fun of, of anything. Uh, like it's it's a legit game. They somewhat based this off of the pigeon dating sim, uh, had a full boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing you don't know anything about that. Because... I've heard that name oh, you have? of that okay. game <laughs> and I've never known how to say it. Like I didn't know if you were supposed to say like hateful boyfriend or if you're supposed to actually say like hat o full boyfriend, I, I just I just yeah I, I couldn't pronounce the name of the game, so I just decided to steer clear from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, I've never been told how it's pronounced. I just I, I see H A T O F U L, so I I assume it's hateful. Mm-hmm. It would be very odd if it was hate if it was pronounced hateful, just because. Uh, it's it's a very funny and cute game, <laughs> and that that's kind of what they were trying to do with this. And and except instead of dating pigeons, you're dating people. Getting back to this track, there was an ending that they had put, that they had put together. Like if you, if you did certain things, you could get this like cult ending. It's not like a good ending. Like you end up finding out about this cult and whatever else. Uh, but they removed it from the game because it was just kind of they didn't really fit with the rest of the game, and it was just like for, they did they did it for a lark. And then some YouTubers had heard about it and were trying really hard to get that ending. Uh, and because it was taken out of the game, they couldn't. So they actually went back and added it back in. And the series that you like, they made the series that you have to go through kind of complicated. So you can't stumble upon it by accident. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that, that's where this track is from. So the, the track I don't think was in the game originally when it was released, uh, it was created for this funny little thing. And then when they put it back in the, the track got back in there. Uh, the name of the director's cut version of the game is Dad Director's Cut. That's right. Which is <laughs> funny on twofold. Cut. One, because it's a pun, and it's a da- it's a good dad pun. And being mm-hmm. a dad, it it's especially funny. So Dad Rector's Cut. But Dad Rector also sounds like you wrecked, like you destroyed <laughs> you that dad. dad. So you destroyed that dad <laughs> romantically. Uh. You wrecked him. You can you could read. Yeah, you he got he him. got dad he, he got wrecked dad wrecked. Him. You got dad wrecked. You could read between the lines on that one. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Who <laughs> uh, oh boy. Yeah. No, it's so cool. This, I I oh, don't sorry. watch Game Grumps, but I love Ninja Sex Party, and I have much respect for for uh, Dan and Aaron. So cool stuff. I don't know if this is my cup of tea, just because I generally don't play visual novel interactive Mm -hmm. like uh, dating sims in general just because i kind of find them boring i prefer games that have the elements of them but aren't actually dating sims like i don't know bulk slash on the saturn but you know it's it's cool it's cool i I dig i support it (laughs) i support all things and it's nice to see representation of course for you know non like you know heteronormative stuff you know they need it too so it's it's cool to support stuff like that yep love knows no bounds love is love and other 
<laughs> other things. Not trying to be pedantic here. Right. But, right. but yeah, as far as the composer goes, Jesse Kale, this is their only credit. Uh, they they did the original score for Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. Uh, hopefully they do other stuff at some point because... I've, I've listened, like I said, to the other stuff in the in this game, and a lot of it is kind of like background music, but it's good. And especially like the synth track, clearly they have some uh, some some chops uh, to do multiple multiple things with the, with music. So hopefully we'll see something else by them in the next few years because it's been a while. I also want to point out that if you say Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, really fast, it sounds like you're saying like something with Diddy Kong. It's like Dad Dream Daddy, a dad dating. Sounds like Diddy. Yeah. Dream yeah. Daddy, a dad, a dad Diddy dating sim. I, I don't know. It just it sounds like Diddy Kong. Anyways, <laughs> let's move into our next game. Uh, this is my pick. It's Sexy Parodius. This came out in the arcade, PlayStation One, and the Saturn in 1996. The name of the track is Am I Sexy, also known as the Sexy Adult Boss BGM. It's by Kiyohiko Yamane, Hideyuki Akutsu, Takeyuki Fuji and Hiroe Noguchi. Welcome back. That was Sexy Parodius that came out in the arcade, the PlayStation 1, and the Saturn in 1996. The track Am I Sexy? Question mark. Also known as Sexy Adult Boss BGM. It's by Kiyohiko Yamane, Hideyuki Akutsu, Takeyuki Fuji, and Hiroe Noguchi. So I don't know the name of the song that this is based on. Really? I believe, yeah. It's it sounds like it's Beethoven, but I wasn't it is. sure. It's it's, it's the it Furalise. It okay. Furalise is a it, it is a single piece of music. It, it's the one that goes. No, that's isn't that Moonlight Sonata? No. Oh no, that's do 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 do. Yes, yes. Never mind. I was getting my Beethoven confused. Yeah, I was trying to remember what 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 Moonlight Sonata sounds like because I've played it before. I'm like, I can't remember, but I know it's not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. So, I was I was gonna say like you you forgot uh you, you forgot that Beethoven is a composer on this too, but obviously he's not listed yes. because it's a it's it's not the Furlies. It is derivative though. Right, right, right. It is inspired by and all the music in, or at least most of the music in Sexy hmm. Parodius is or really just the Parodius series in general <laughs> is influenced by classical music. Hmm. It's oh man, Parodius is a, a fun <laughs> game. Obviously a uh, parody of Gradius, but also adding in other like 
things from various different Konami games. This specific game, Sexy Parodius, only came out in Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, for obvious reasons, it contains more like sexualized characters and enemy designs, uh, as well as some kind of like risque, you know, innu- innuendo type stuff. <laughs> so, like a lot of the villains are just like girls in bunny costumes like playboy bunny style <laughs> yeah dress, yeah dresses so i have this one on the saturn and it plays great it's a lot of fun it's got gorgeous sprites like huge giant bosses it's just great it's if if you like shooters like well okay to clarify it's a cute em up so yeah, if you yes, like cute em ups yes. then this is your game this is your jam yeah this is one that i've i've wanted to play for a while actually not not this one specifically but the the, the parodia series like mm. being a fan of gradius and like the gameplay and everything else this is it's like you said it, it's gradius but paradized or however you want to say that it's it's cute, cute gradius yeah yeah and i just i did not know about these games back in the day i don't know so this one did come out in america did any of the parodius games come out actually in america now that i think about it i can't think of a single parodius game that did get a release. Now, I'm not saying that, hmm. you know, there were none, but I, I am struggling with trying to remember. I know some came out in PAL territory, but I don't think any of them actually did make it out here. Uh, the closest that we would have received was uh, the Parodia series kind of sort of got a spiritual successor with the Otomedius series. Hmm. And Otomedius Excellent did come out on the Xbox 360, but it is a, what's the best word? What's the best way to put it? It is kind of a, a money suck <laughs> okay. in the sense that you buy the base game and then the game itself is pretty cheap. But then if you want to actually go beyond whatever the initial game offers, like there's so much DLC and it's all super expensive. To me, it's like it's not even worth getting the game because yeah. half the game is locked behind DLC. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, looking them up now, it doesn't look like any of the games came out I- outside of Japan or the or, or, or Europe. Like uh, some yeah. some of them made it to Europe, but even the last game, which came out in 1999, uh, yeah, that that only came out in, in Japan. So yeah, imports only for for this stuff. So that explains why I never heard of it or saw it or was able to pick it up until more modern days. So it's right, probably right. I would I would guess it might be on some of the Konami compilation game things. There's a PSP Parodius collection that you can mm. pick up. Well, and the PSP is, is region free, so if that, even if that only came out in Japan, that's you can still yeah. grab that. That's yeah, there, cool. It, there's a PSP collection that you can grab. It's uh going to cost you probably about 90 bucks on secondhand purchase. You don't really need to know English to play the games. Uh, there's really not a lot of Japanese. There may be some for like some basic dialogue, but like <laughs> nothing that you really need to know to play the game. So it's completely yeah. playable. All right, nice, nice. Um, yeah, but I mean, just like a fun, light-hearted, silly vibe <laughs> that uh, that this song gives. I, I really dig the entirety of the uh, Sexy Parodia soundtrack. It's all. All the music sounds exactly like this. It's all fun and floaty and free. It's good stuff. Yep, yep. The composers on this one, Kiyohiko Yamane. I am not sure if they are related to uh, Mishiru Yamane, the other Mm. Konami composer. Possibly, but I don't know. They started off doing Parodius in 95, and then this game in 96. Continued working on uh, shooters with the Gradius and Salamander Deluxe Packs. Silent Scope, they worked on the second and third games. Then also did sound programming on Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, 
and of course the double pack, which was both of those games anyways. Right, right. Hideyuki Akutso started off with Rondo of Blood, Castlevania, hmm. as the uh, voice staff, so doing like voiceover work. Uh, then followed it up with Suikoden in 1995, and then continued again, same path, uh, working with uh, the shooters Salamander, Gradius, and Sexy Parodius. Followed up with Crypt Killer in 97, which is a... Uh, Light, first person like light gun game uh, that's horror themed uh, their final game other than working on Lament of Innocence and Dawn of Sorrow doing sound direction and sound programming uh, they also did Silent Hill 2 in 2001 and Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker in 2010 where they're credited for sound Takeyuki Fuji started off with Suikoden in 1995 continued working with various different games uh, specifically they did the electric guitar in Symphony of the Night Castlevania Simpsons Bowling in 2000 and uh, they did a bunch of soccer games and they continued working on the uh, the PES Pro Evolution Soccer Series until 2007 the last composer Hiroe Noguchi started off with Suikoden in 1995 obviously uh, you know a lot of composers on that game mm-hmm. Snatcher in 1996 they did sound effects uh, we're going to jump ahead. They also worked on Crypt Killer, uh, and then they started working on the Metal Gear Solid series, starting with the Twin Snakes in 2004. They did a lot of, like, sound design, sound direction, sound editing, so maybe not necessarily, like, com- composition, but their last game is their, that they're credited for is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain in 2015. They're credited for voice editing. Nice. All right. That about gives us time to move into my next pick here. So my next track is going to be from a game called Leisure Suit Larry, Love for Sale, also known as Leisure Suit Larry 7. This came out on the PC in 1996 and on Mac in 1997. And uh, I didn't have any composers listed because it listed the folks that played the instruments in this game. So we'll go over them when we come back.
Welcome back, listeners. That was Leisure Suit Larry, Love for Sale. Uh, S-A-I-L. This takes place on a boat. This came out on the PC in 1996 and the Macintosh systems in 1997. Uh, apologies, I forgot to mention when we went into the song. The name of it is Tasty Tenor. And yeah. the composer on this... <laughs> And the composer on this is actually Frank Zatoli. Uh, he also plays piano. And then you have Kim Hutchcroft on woodwinds, Tom Warrington on bass, Claudio Sloan on drums, Mark Siebert on guitar and synthesizer and percussion, Al Lowe on the soprano sax, and Steve Conrad on the trombone. Cool. I mean, just a good, smooth jazz track. Yes, very smooth, very relaxing a little good, good romantic track. You know? I was just going to say, like, I could see myself or, or anybody really playing this in the bedroom to kind of set the mood. It reminds me, I don't know if there's actually a song in Who Framed Roger Rabbit that is considered Jessica's theme, but this sounds like what I imagine or what I remember Jessica Rabbit's theme to be. Like, when she's on screen, there's usually something sure. going on, um, like, in the background or some kind of, like, jazzy music, and this kind of fits that same feel in my mind. Yeah. I mean, she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Leisure Suit Larry does kind of have those, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say Jessica Rabbit vibes for a lot of the women, but you know, they're traditionally good looking women in this game that Leisure Suit Larry is going after. And he's just basically trying to woo all these women and, uh, to get them into bed. And mm-hmm. He himself, Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry, is uh, is not exactly the most handsomest guy in the world. So No, no. I mean, that, that, that's the whole point of these games is you, you are trying to find love, so to speak, uh, and you are at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, the, the women yeah. that you are trying to romance are traditionally attractive, and Larry is not. <laughs> yeah, they're like tall, voluptuous, you know, usually blonde but Mm -hmm. not always you know he is uh short and looks like a used car salesman yeah looks like a cross between a used car salesman and jay sherman from the critic yes Oh, that's perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about, about Leisure Suit Larry uh, back on our Sierra uh, episode with uh, that we did with Brian from right. Pixel Stories. Yes. Yes. So it, it, all of these games are mostly the same. Not that it's the same game over and over, but the concept is the same. Uh, as I said, you're Larry. You're trying to trying to find love and the setting changes usually, uh, generally from from each game to each game so this one takes place on a cruise ship a lot of the other games apparently are more I don't know if open world is the is the right term like they, they're point and click adventures but this one is a lot more linear than than some of the other Leisure Suit Larry games. There's not a whole lot really to talk about as far as the, uh, the Leisure Suit Larry games go. Uh, one fun, interesting part is that mm. all the girls uh, who are the cruise guests all have names that parody uh, actual actresses. Yes, yeah, I, I, I just noticed that actually. Like Drew Bar- a lot of innuendo. Yeah, yeah, like Drew, Drew Barrymore instead of Barrymore. Do me more instead of Demi Moore. Uh, Jamie Lee Coitus instead of Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's great. Annette Boning. Um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the charm of these games. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever played more than one Leisure Suit Larry game. I didn't play it to completion. I played it because, you know, I was probably younger than I should have been for a game like this, but excited yeah. to play something that I thought was going to be a lot more overt than, than it actually is. Like, the, these games deal a lot in, like, innuendo and, you know, uh, use your imagination. Stuff happens off screen. Uh, and then right. just humor. Like, it, it's it's a lot of funny silly things like puns on names or just silly situations uh, that I, I think that's more of the draw because there is not really anything explicit in these games like there's a lot of getting really close to it but uh, I mean Sierra Online I don't think would have ever released anything that was x-rated <laughs> well one really unique thing about this game is that it came with like when you bought it mm. it came with this thing called the cyber sniff 2000 mm-hmm. I don't know if you read up on this but it's <laughs> it's a, it's a sheet of paper that's like scratch and sniff mm-hmm. and I guess there's numbers depending on different sections of the paper and based on those scents, you can get an area, like an idea of what the person smells like, what the girl smells like, or or the area, like it, because it, 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 yeah. like the area of the ship that you're in, um, yeah. So like certain areas will have a, a like a number on screen, and the, yeah, that then you scratch whatever it is and you smell it, and that's supposed to help help with the immersion. So like now now you're smelling what uh, what Larry is smelling. That's so cool. <laughs> that's that's. That's really innovative and cool. Like, I, I fully am okay <laughs> with that. That's like bringing another sense into into video games that, like, you never probably thought would be possible. I mean, maybe one day we'll get eating. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they, they, they brought Smell-O-Vision, uh, or they tried to bring Smell-O-Vision yes. to, the, to this game. And, I mean, in some ways it likely succeeded. Uh, I mean, if you get this game now, I doubt that smell or that CyberSniff 2000 sheet is going to still... It might. Yeah, I mean, it might. Frank Zatoli, who did the composition uh, as well as played the piano on this, did did music for this game in 1996, as well as Leisure Suit Larry's Casino in 1998. Kim Hutchcroft is listed exactly the same. Tom Warrington, same two games. Claudio Sloan, same two games. Steve Conrad is is listed for this game, as well as MLB 08, the show in 2008. He was a senior audio programmer. Uh, And that brings us to the two bigger names. Al Lowe was the creator of this game. He was, uh, I'm pretty sure he was one of the higher ups in Sierra Online. He has a lot of credits for a lot of different things, but for his audio credits, he started out doing music with Mickey's Space Adventure in 1984. And then uh, we'll say 1985, Donald Duck's Playground, a whole bunch of the Leisure Suit Larry games. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards, Leisure Suit Larry Goes Looking for Love, Leisure Suit Larry 5, Passionate Patty does a little undercover work. Oh, I think that's the one that we played <laughs> on, uh, on on our episode yeah. with, with Brian. Then, uh, yes, I missed the, the dates on those. So that was 87, 88, 91. Let's see. He had a gap from 1998 with Leisure Suit Larry's Casino till 2013 with Leisure Suit Larry Reloaded uh, and then got back into the game just doing other stuff. So his most recent 
credits are from both from 2020. Ori in the Will of the Wisps, he's an assistant engineer, uh, and Crucible okay. in uh, also an assistant engineer. Nice. Yep. And then Mark Siebert, we definitely talked about him a lot on the Sierra game, so I'm just going to pick a couple of things here. His first game was Police Quest II The Vengeance in 1988, and we'll grab... King's Quest, the Collector's Edition, 1994, is credited for music on that. And most recently, Homeworld Remastered Collection in 2015, he was an engineer. Yeah, if you dig this track, mm. definitely go back and listen to that episode, the Sierra Games episode. Oh, with, uh, absolutely. Brian. Yeah, we, we had a lot of actually really nice jazzy stuff on that. It looks like we're getting a call on our caller request hotline. That's uh, two in a row. Hmm. So uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take that call. Janine, go ahead and forward that over to us, please. XVGM Radio. Who is this, and what can we play for you? I'm a hot dog. I'm being chased by a gaggle of girls. Uh, that sounds strange and not, well, maybe somewhat sexy. Uh, can we help you? <laughs> he, uh, he sounds like he needs to call the police. He does. No, no cops. No cops. No, no cops? Help me. Okay. Help me, please. How, how can we help you, sir? Please. Hot dog, hot girl. My life is over. I'm dying. I can't eat. Oh, oh. I love you. Oh, oh no. Sound, sounds like he's being devoured. Well, uh, he was a hot dog, so I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but... <laughs> I don't know. Should we play taps for him? No. Probably not. No. Let, no. Let's just play something from that game you mentioned. What was it again? Yeah. Hot, hot. Uh, hot dogs, hot girls? This came out on Windows in 2007. The track we're going to play is El Paso Hot Gal, and it's by Mick Gordon, of all people. Go figure.
Hi there. Looking for love in all the wrong places this February? The bar scene is a joke. You've tried online dating, and you hate swiping right and getting nowhere. All you're left with is your virtual girls of gaming. But don't despair. The video game gods have heard your prayers. There's a solution that's sure to put a potato in someone's microwave. Hold Reset is a new sexy hotline with girls from your favorite games who are ready for you to hold reset before you save their conversations like you were saving on the NES. Talk to Blaze Fielding from Streets of Rage and find out what nine-tenths of the law really means. Or how about Morgan from Darkstalkers? Just what's up with all the bats? Well, get up in her belfry and find out. Maybe you'd like a mysterious woman who is willing to risk it all for love. Samus Aaron from Metroid is waiting and ready to talk to you in just her zero suit. This and so much more, but only if you call 1-900-RESET-ME. What's that? Not the right type for you? Well, don't you worry, because right now you can also dial in to hold reset. Guys line. Just press 2 and you'll be led down a path of glorious sensuality as you talk to Arthur from Ghouls and Ghosts and see what his final lair really is. Or maybe my personal favorite, the beefcake Leon S. Kennedy from Resident Evil. I hear the S stands for smoking. Last but certainly not least, Simon Belmont from Castlevania will make sure your morning light is vanquished by the not-so-horrible night. And this vampire slayer certainly has the hardware to make it happen. So remember, put down the controller and pick up your phone to call 1-900-RESET-ME and let your fantasies become reality. All right, welcome back. That was Hot Dogs, Hot Girls, also known as Hot Dog King. I believe that was the release name in the US. That came out on Windows in 2007. The name of the track was El Paso Hot Gal, and it's by Mick Gordon. <laughs> uh, it's just so funny to see such a like celeb name in the VGM composing world. Attached to something like this. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think of the track? Uh, I thought it was actually a really good follow-up to the Leisure Suit Larry track. Uh, it, I agree. Yeah, it, it had sort of the same kind of like lounge vibe. Uh, obviously, a, a different sound. Like it, it didn't sound jazzy like the Leisure Suit Larry track did. But I mean, I already said it had a lounge vibe. So like that's that's kind of where I would put it. Just like chilling, lounging. Maybe by the pool or by the beach. Yes. Vacation. Yes. That is the first word that came to my mind mm. is vacation with your lava. Yeah. Yes. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> what? Uh, it's this game, man. Uh, Tell me all so about it. <laughs> it is everything you could ever hope and dream running a hot dog stand would be in the sense that you get to design your store and uh, you get relations between your not those kind of relations but you know relationships that you can build with your staff hmm. and uh you know each staff member has their own kind of vibe and personality you can give them gifts you can train them you can go on vacation all that sort of thing 
I, I, hmm. it's kind of weird, but hmm. hey, it, it is what it is. Um, you could also design the staff costume as well. Oh, like a like, like a mascot or like a uniform? Like a uniform. Okay, okay. But all sorts of things will pop up and happen. Things like robberies, infestations of like animals, viruses, even aliens show up at one point. <laughs> really? Uh... Yes. There's a boxing mini game which will help you deal with riled up customers. Would he beat up the customers? <laughs> uh, that's I, funny. I guess, or maybe you take your frustrations out on a boxing bag. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. So you can also get help from the mafia to run your business. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that is the game. I'm guessing that most of the staff is all, like, traditionally hot girls so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Most of the art that you'll find is good-looking women in bikinis. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, like, desktop wallpapers available <laughs> of characters for the for the game. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like if Dead or Alive ran their own hot dog stand. Oh, that's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Not all the characters are initially dressed very skimpy. There's some that are dressed very appropriately and normal. And then others that, you know, wear hot pants and skirts that show everything. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, like you do. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would look terrible in these outfits, but, you know, maybe you could pull it off just. I don't know. There was that one Halloween episode. <laughs> right. 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 That's true. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. Mick Gordon, though, just, I mean, whew, where do I start? He's a phenomenal composer who has done lots of really high-profile work more recently, stuff like the Killer Instinct soundtrack for the uh, revamped Killer Instinct, mm. the Doom games, so the remaster, the, yeah. the, the re yeah, reboot the, the new of, ones, of 20, Doom. Doom 2016, right? Yeah, yeah, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a big-time guy now. Great composer, really good. This track is just really chill like Latin jazz kind of style. So I dig it. They, they should add this to the next Doom game. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Oh, boy. All right, let's get into your next pick. What do you got for us? All right, this next one is a wrestling game called Rumble Roses. This came out in the PS2 in 2004. The track is called I'm Too Virtuous, and it was by Akira Yamaoka. Back to our sexy games episode 69, dudes. That was <laughs> Rumble Roses. 
from the 2004 PS2 game. The track was I'm Too Virtuous by Akira Yamaoka. I'm Too Virtuous. Oh, boy. <laughs> this track was energetic, exciting, and uh, just a pretty standard heavy metal hard rockin' track. It's not really doing anything different or unique. Uh, I would say probably the most unique thing about it is those drums. That <laughs> there was like a little bit of a hiccup with the drums. Like that part right there kind of caught my attention. It made me kind of perk up. But, you know, the rest of the track was kind of by the numbers uh, heaviness. Uh, agreed. I So I, listening to the soundtrack, I thought there was a lot of licensed music on there, but it turns out. I don't think that's that's actually the case. I, uh, it looks like all the music for this game was made for the game, and they there's a actually a handful of different artists on here, some of which people may know, some of which people may not know. But like uh, this track in particular was done by Akira Yamaoka. There's also tracks by Michiru Yamane, mm-hmm. Yuka Kawahara, Yuka Watanabe, DJ Taka. Aisha, the Killer Barbies, like there's an interesting lineup of artists on here. Not a whole lot that I like know super super well because I'm pretty sure they are all Japanese artists. Yeah, I mean we know but we know Mishiru. I was gonna say we we know Mishiru. Yeah, uh, and I, I I know I've heard the name Akira Yamaoka before. So when we go through his resume, I'm sure there will be plenty of games that that we'll all recognize here. Yeah, just Game. real quick, I just wanted to touch on DJ Taka. Did mm. uh, stuff for Dance Dance Revolution. That's maybe yes. where, that you may be familiar with that name. Yeah, yep, yeah. I I know that's where I know DJ Taka from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this game is uh, an interesting one. I, I picked this for the sexy games episode because, much like Dead or Alive games, the main reason that you're playing this game, I think, is because there are a lot of attractive female characters in it. It's an all female cast. It is a wrestling game that's based off of WWE SmackDown. Here comes the pain engine. Same company. Yeah, same same company too. Yeah, I believe um, their name is like Jukes Konami or something like that. Oh, oh yeah, the, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, the developer is U- Ukes, Ukes or UKs. You, uh, I yeah, think the, it's Ukes. Yeah, uh, I'm not really aware. I mean, there's there's a vague plot. Like, I I don't think a lot of the wrestling and fighting games like this really have much of a plot. It's it's normally just a an excuse to just wrestle characters or if you're playing like WWE games to make a crazy insane weird looking wrestler and then have them d- destroy their way through the WWE roster. So I played uh, in- this. I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. I, I have oh, okay. I have played this. Like I I bought it when it came out and I played it. Uh there is a story. Oh yes, yes. And it's uh, it's, it's, it's very it ridiculous. very ridiculous. <laughs> it is about a mad scientist who is dressed as a nurse in the game. <laughs> she holds this international women's wrestling tournament and ends up taking DNA samples and brainwashing each wrestler so that she Hmm. can create super soldiers. Like, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, oh, what's that game? Thundershark. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes. But yeah, I, from what I understand, the the uh, when the characters get brainwashed, they, they they turn heel and they get like a tattoo that's Mm -hmm. related to them somehow. Yeah. There's a number of interesting things just about this game. Like, I don't mean to talk to like talk it down as I, I feel like I kind of was in the beginning. There's different types of matches. Like there's regular just wrestling matches. There's also mud wrestling matches, which is kind of neat. I, I don't think I know many games that, that do stuff like that. Yeah, I really tried to the, like this game, but there's just, I don't know. It's kind of meh. Like I get why they made this game. They were clearly going for like the Dead or Alive fans. 
Uh, Absolutely. Which, uh, you know, I, I do like the older Dead or Alive games. I haven't played anything since 5. I like the concept of being able to play a smaller cast of characters, but also play, like, a face or a heel mm-hmm. of that character. That's a really cool idea that they had. The problem is is that most of the characters are really unlikable. Like, either way, <laughs> you know, you've Oof. got, like, the main hero who is Rieko. She's like the Kasumi of the bunch. You know, she's like the good character who's trying to be good and everything. And then, you know, she has a heel, meaning a bad guy, alter ego named Rowdy Reiko. <laughs> and uh, that's it. So they tried to come up with all these like weird, different personalities for each like good girl versus bad girl. And it just kind of falls flat because you just end up not liking any of the characters. You may think they're good-looking, but they're just... Mm. It, it's, it's a very emotionally transparent game, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, apparently the heel-face system that they that they put together for the game, they derived it from, like, actual American professional wrestling, how they do stuff there. So that's kind of cool that they, like... It's not just a game that they threw out there to be like, hey, here's some sexy women fighting right. and go buy the game. Like they, 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 they clearly put some thought into the game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a shame that it didn't turn out all that well. It did get a sequel on the Xbox 360, though, called uh, Rumble Roses XX. Yeah. Or maybe it's double X. I don't know. Yeah. And um, I played that one, so, too. And it's got the same problems. Any better? It, it's, uh, okay. It's, <laughs> it's the same problems. I mean, you know, it's not bad. It's just meh. Oh, well. So the composer on this one was Akira Yamaoka, who started out as an assistant composer on Smart Ball in 1991 and went on to do sound design on Sparkster. Sticking to the music composition stuff, they were music composition on Ganbare Goemon, Uchu Kaizoku Akugingu in 1996, music composition on NBA In The Zone 98 in 1998, Contra Shattered Soldier in 2002, Silent Hill 4 The Room in 2004, yeah, they're known uh, as one of the major yes. components of the Silent Hill series. They did, he, he did pretty much all the Silent Hill games. Yep. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, like a lot of the music credits I see here are actually for Silent Hill, and occasionally for things like some of the Beat Mania games, 2DX, Ninth Style, Tenth Style. I'm not gonna go through all of them because there's a lot here. Their most recent credit for music composition is actually in 2017 for a game called Dead Realm. Yeah. If you want more information about Akira Yamaoka, we talked to death about him on the survival horror episode that we did with Avalanche Jared. That was episode. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So what do you got up for us next? All right. I'm going back to 2011 with a 3DS game. This is Mighty Switch Force. The track is called Love You, Love You, Love. And it is by Jake Kaufman.
Hey, you're back. And that was Mighty Switch Force that came out on the 3DS in 2011. And the track's name was Love You, Love You, Love by Jake Kaufman, also known as Vert. Mm-hmm. This is another one of those soundtracks where it's just from start to finish, it's a, it's a good soundtrack. Uh, I mean, you yeah. probably said about anything by Jake Kaufman, but like I, you, you and I have listened to Mighty Switch Force music a bunch. Uh, I, I just, like, yeah. I, I know, I remember watching you play it and really liking the music, so. I don't have much to, much to say that isn't just utter praise for Jake Kaufman and this actual track. I love the buzzy synths that he has uh, that, that come in every so often. There's too much to, to talk about about what I like about the song. Good, yeah. good, good pick. It's a very funky song, but it's also a very modern sounding song, mm. especially with those phasing kind of wah, wah, mm, wah, yes. wah, kind of like melodic elements that he added in. And uh, this is one of my favorite soundtracks on the 3DS and really just in gaming in general for the past 10 years <laughs> or so. You know, this and the sequel both have phenomenal soundtracks. It's Jake Kaufman, so you really can't go wrong with his stuff. He has a very particular style. But, uh, you know, this isn't one of my favorite tracks on the soundtrack. <laughs> I, I mostly picked it just because of the name, name of the song. Yep. But... I still love this entire soundtrack. It's just great. From top to bottom, as you said, it's it's a phenomenal soundtrack. Game is tons of fun as well. You play as a character named Patricia Wagon. <laughs> Patty Wagon. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. In this game, she is a law enforcement officer. In the sequel, she is a firefighter. Hmm. What happens is there's this group of blonde, cute girls that all are criminals. And they break out of jail, and your whole mission is you're supposed to recapture them in each level. The way you go about doing this is uh, utilizing switching the foreground and the background, which are actually, like, controlled by a button press. So you press the button, and uh, the platforms that you're jumping on, they either pop out or they pop in. And so... There's a lot of really tricky gameplay that you're utilizing with this platforming-wise. If you're a big fan of platformers or action games in general, you'll love this game. It's phenomenal. Really addictive, fun stuff. There's a certain par score that you're supposed to get under in order to move on to like the next level and to get like you know the most stars or whatever, so that way you can unlock like special stuff in the game. There's not a lot of bosses in the game itself. There's one final boss at the end of the game. But, uh, I don't know. It's 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 a cool, fun game with phenomenal music. It's just a good time overall. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, from everything that I've seen, it, it's a lot of fun. I, uh, I'm surprised, though, for the, the sequel, they just kept the main character as uh, Patricia Wagon. They did, yeah. So you're still playing as... Yeah. So there's been three games in the series. Oh, I was just going to make the the stupid name pun. I'm surprised they didn't go with a new character named, like, Dolly Mation or something. Uh, Well, that that would be funny. There is a song that's one of the best songs in the game for uh, the second game called Dalmatian Station, I believe. (laughs) And uh, it's phenomenal. One really funny part about the second game is that there's a baby you have to save, and when you save the baby, you kick it, and it, like, <laughs> flies off into the distance, and she'll say something like, you know, she always has these, like, one-liners, like, I did it, or, you know, let's go save justice, or, like, yeah, she yeah. always has, like, these one-liners, 
in the first game, it was more cop-oriented, like stopping the name of the law and stuff like that. And then the second game, she'll say these random one-liners and like, you're saved or whatever after she punts the baby <laughs> off the screen. It's really funny. They're going to say she, she, she was going to say something like, right between the uprights or something. Right. Like <laughs> Goal, touchdown. Yeah, yeah no. wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a Switch collection of all three Mighty Switch Force games so if you want if you don't want to try and hunt them all down just go and pick them all up on the switch uh there's a trilogy that came out uh, i believe it came out digitally uh there was a physical version that came out from limited run games which mm. I, I did pick up because i i just love the games i love the soundtrack yeah yeah very cool jake kaufman i don't really need to say much more about <laughs> him he's awesome but if you really want to know I do. Okay. Uh, well, aside from the Mighty Switch Force games, he also did the Shantae series. Uh, he did Adventures of Pip, which was more of a orchestral soundtrack, but still had his vibe. And uh, he did Contra 4. We'll end it there. Because okay. he's just... He's not really doing too much composition-wise now. The stuff he's working on now is in upcoming games. Well, at this point, it should be released by now by the time you're listening to this. A game called Cyber Shadow. I believe that's a game that was created by somebody else, but he is overseeing the uh, soundtrack. So kind of helping out with uh, the creation of it, but not actually composing for it. Right, right. I'm excited to talk about your next game. Uh, Are you? Even though I haven't played it. I am, yeah. (laughs) All right, well then let's get to it. This is going to be a game called Steam Hearts. Came out on a few different things. The PC-98 in 1994, the TurboGrafx CD in 1996, which is the version we're going to hear, and the Saturn in 1998. The track is called Final Boss, and it was composed by Takahiro Yonemura.
Hey, that was Final Boss from Steam Hearts. Came out on the PC-98 in 1994, Graphics CD in 96, and the Sega Saturn in 1998. And the tracks were composed by Takahiro Yonemura. I know very little about this game, but I will say I really dug this track. It was kind of like a 90s dance vibe to it. But, uh, I, you know, I liked the the vague like almost synth hits that this track was putting out yeah yeah i thought you'd like that i enjoyed the sound of the track overall i find that it reminds me a lot of like a street fighter track mm. um just the da, 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 oh. almost um it, it's almost mega man ish like too Giles actually theme a little bit yeah 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 i was, I was gonna say it might be guile's theme because that goes with everything yeah but uh, I, I, I can't remember which track it is off the top of my head, but you know which one I'm talking about, and I'm sure our listeners will too. And if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the big reasons that I picked this track. The rest of the soundtrack is actually pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of what I heard. This one kind of rose to the top, I think because it gave me those feelings of something from Street Fighter. But the game itself is the reason that this track is is on this list. Much like Leisure Shoot Larry, this game itself is the sexiness <laughs> uh, in its entirety. This is PC-98, uh, and not to taint the PC-98 game library, but there's a lot of Eroge games on the PC-98, yes. and this is one of them. This is one that, as far as recommendations go, I guess, comes somewhat highly recommended. I've heard that the Saturn version is a bit better. The Saturn version is, I don't know if, if it's heavily censored, but it is definitely censored from the original, uh, but the gameplay is smoother, and I believe the graphics are actually somewhat upgraded on the Saturn. Yeah, the Saturn version is better in a lot of ways, but when it comes to the censorship, yeah, I don't even know if I would call it censorship, maybe, but... There's a Turbo Graphics CD version, and that version has like actual like I don't know about hentai, but it's definitely like eroge, lots of nudity. Whereas the Saturn version, I think, toned down a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out of the three, the Saturn version is the most censored. So the plot of this game is that for one, it's set in in a world where most of the people have been taken over by this weird virus that's making them act really odd. The two main characters are a boy named Blow and a hermaphrodite who looks very much like a woman named Fala. They, for whatever reason, are immune to the virus, so they set off to fight it. It is a vertically scrolling shoot 'em up, and there are, like many in the genre, you know, there, there's different weapons, uh, there's like spread shots, stuff like that, different power ups that you can get, and you can also choose from different, like, secondary weapons. But uh, overall, you are fighting these people that are infected with the virus, and each stage comes with a boss, which is like a giant mech that is piloted by a scantily clad woman. Uh, and so you fight the mech, uh, you defeat the mech, and then after, it, after the mech is, is defeated, there are some cutscenes that are very, very racy, hmm. uh, where, in which... Blow and Fala interact with said women that were piloting these mech, and they cure them of the virus in a way that I cannot talk about on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, uh, you know, I haven't played or actually seen the game. I've seen a lot of the screenshots, and as as you mentioned, Mike, there is a lot of nudity, um, only really in the cutscenes. So the actual gameplay of the the shmup 
portion of the game is just like you're a spaceship and you're going over land right. or whatever and you're shooting things. There's nothing really erotic about that. But when you after you beat the boss, <laughs> you need to you. cure them. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess I can see that for some for some folks, but not not, not for me personally. I do not find spaceships erotic. So, dude, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, I do actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically but, a competent yeah. shooter with hentai scenes. You know. Yeah, That's about it. Pretty much. The, the reviews aren't really spectacular, uh, not because the game is bad, but because the the gameplay is about average like it plays like a lot of other vertically scrolling shoot 'em ups and the folks that gave the game a bad rating complained about the hentai basically mm. uh, and the folks that gave it a good rating loved the hentai so you know it is what it is it, it seems to be a eh. pretty average shooter yeah that's just how it is unfortunately um mm -hmm. you're gonna have people be upset about that sort of thing i am <laughs> one who is to say eh whatever if it has it in the game and people like it, so be it. If it's in the game and people don't like it, eh, so be it. Anyway, Takahiro Yonemura has uh, a number of nifty credits here. They started doing music composition on a game called Farland Story in 1993. That was uh, another PC-98 game, also ported to DOS. I'll just go through all of their audio credits, because there's not a lot here. Uh, went on to do Edge in 1993 as well. VG2, The Bout of Kabbalistic Goddess in 94. Advanced VG in 94. Brigantee, The Root of Darkness in 1995. Seam Hearts in 96. Advanced VG2 in 98. And their final credit is for Utawarareru Mono, Prelude to the Fallen in 2006. Uh, the VG2 game that you mentioned is a all-female fighting game, I believe, and it also has you know scantily clad girls and whatnot. Yeah, that that came out on the the PlayStation. Look, it was also supported to the PSP, and the Vita, Saturn. and PS3. Yeah, I think it also came out on the Saturn too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, well, we're moving from one very scantily clad game to another. This game that we're going to be playing is a PC ninety eight game as well, which also came out in nineteen ninety four. This is called Possessioner. This has a ton of really awesome music. Even though we're not playing my favorite track from that game, <laughs> we are playing a track called Alyssa, Violated by Machine. I'll, uh, I'll let your mind wander. Uh, Hiroaki Sano and Masahiro Kajihara were the composers.
welcome back from that super chill jam. That was Possessioner. The track name was Alyssa Violated by Machine. And it came out on the PC-98 in 1994. And it was composed by Hiroaki Sano and Masahiro Kajihara. Hmm. Not exactly what I expected, but I was pleasantly surprised. Going into it, I was expecting something along the lines of a song called Machine Screw by Typo Negative, and I was <laughs> very happy that it was not that, because that's a weird song. Um, it's like, scr- like women screaming and just like gear sounds, like industrial gear sounds. Kind of. <laughs> Sure. Less less screaming, more uh, other sounds, but yeah. Right. <laughs> right, right. This was really cool, though. I enjoyed the percussion in this one. Uh, there was like that, I don't know if I would call it a triangle, but like the, the high-pitched... It's not it's not a regular instrument. It, it's a percussion of some some kind. The sound quality on that was really interesting, but I, I thought it lent to the track itself uh, in a in a very cool way. Uh, the the melody was kind of cool, but I was mostly focused on just the the bow 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 of the of, of like the bass and the uh, the, the yeah. percussion stuff that was going on. Yeah, that triangle sound did definitely stand out to me, but my focus was also on that bass line <laughs> and. Uh, you know, occasionally the very solitary piano that would kind of mm-hmm. come in and kind of grace us with its presence and then, you know, just kind of peace out. Yeah, yeah. So it was, a, it was a good track. I liked it. Very chill. There's a lot of, like, adult-oriented scenes and scenarios in this. <laughs> but just the name on this, it just attracts so much unwarranted attention. And for the actual music itself that you hear, it's not even anywhere near that bad. So it's, like, one of those things, like, I don't know. It's bark. It's bark is worse than its bite. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, this is a adult eroge style adventure game that are very popular on the PC ninety eight, as we said earlier. This takes place in the year twenty thirty five, and uh, women start disappearing, and then when they come back. They are brainwashed and are commanding these armies of these monsters, these, like, robot monsters, to be able to take out, like, you know, all these different towns and cities and stuff. So these women are called Possessioners, and there was a team that was formed of all females to destroy them or face them in battle and then kind of, like, convert them back to normal. You can kind of guess what that involves. Uh, yeah. There's lots of lesbian sex scenes in this. There's a lot of nudity, and it's very explicit. Mm. So don't take the kitties to this one. There's really not much else I can say about the game. Yeah, no, no. They're, yeah, they're not, not a whole lot that we can really <laughs> dive into here. Oh, my no. God. Yeah, those, those picks, man. So we'll talk about the composers. So Hiroaki mm. Sano started off in 1992 working on Dragon Knight 3. You know, their musical selection is kind of spread out all over the place. They've done, it looks like, some work on Galgun and Galgun 2, hmm. Blaster Master 0, and uh, also Bloodstained Cursed of the Moon. They did uh, arrangement and composition on that. And Masahiro Kajihara started off with Mugen Senshi Valis 2 in 1989. They did Hole Chaser in 1990. Mm. I know you love that name. <laughs> and <laughs> Rusty in 1993. Slayers in 1994. Princess Maker 1 and 2. And Trigger Heart Excelica in 2006. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Was that 
on the 360? Was that a shmup? I I do not know. Oh, okay. So uh, that was your last pick of the evening. That that brings us into my last pick. So we're going to listen to a track from Lollipop Chainsaw. This came out on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 in 2012. The track is called Viking Zombies Sail on Lightning Seas, and it was composed by Jimmy Urin from Mindless Self-Indulgence and Akira Yamaoka. Right, that was our last track of the episode. That was from Lollipop Chainsaw, the 2012 Xbox 360 and PS3 release. The track was Viking Zombies Sail on Lightning Seas. And taking another look at the credits for this game, there are a ton of possible music composers. Overall, Kiri Yamaoka is credited for the music for the game. Some of the other folks that are in there are on certain tracks. I mentioned Jimmy Urin from Mindless Self-Indulgence. He specifically did the boss music. This sounds like a boss uh, track, for sure. Exactly. But yeah, Lollipop Chainsaw. I mean, this game... (laughs) I remember when this game came out, there was so so much talking about it because of how I guess kind of weird and random it was at the time. I mean, this came out, I don't know if I'd say at the height of like the zombie games craze, but I mean, the Dead Rising games had been out for a bit. There were a lot of other like popular zombie games. I mean, this is a hack and slash play a character named Juliet Starling and basically just beating up zombies and hacking them up with a chainsaw. Have you played this one, Mike? I have. I picked this up when it came out. No surprise there. I mean, hot chick beating up zombies. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally on board with that. Like it um, ticks all your boxes. It kind of does, but <laughs> I ended up kind of being kind of meh on the game in the end. I did finish it, but I just, I don't know. 
it got really repetitive. Some of the things that were really cool was I liked playing as her when you were attacking and you could like grab onto like a pole and you would like oh, yeah. spin around and like slice up the zombies with the chainsaw while you're like spinning, doing all these like sexy poses and stuff. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I guess I felt like this was a bit too, I don't want to say risque for me, but like it just didn't sit right with me in the end. There was a lot of kind of like pervert type stuff that it was perverted just for the sake of being perverted. You know, that sort of thing. Like there was, yeah, there was no real point in it, but maybe I'm just getting to be a crotchety old dude. But I wanted to comment on the music specifically because mm. I feel like this track just completely caught me off guard and I just had no idea that this track was even existed. Like the only thing that I remember from this game is all the licensed stuff. Like, um, mm, yep. you know, the song Lollipop, 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 oh, Lolly, Lolly. <laughs> like that song, yeah. Mr. Sandman, you know, all the music that I really remembered was all the licensed stuff that they threw into the game that gave it this kind of like 50s sock hop vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet they tried to also introduce like the Juliet's family into it and making them part of it. And it just, I kind of felt like the story was kind of dumb. Not dumb in like the overtly, like I can't believe how dumb that is, but like dumb as in I just didn't care. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I was hoping that they would do more with the boyfriend, who basically what happens with her boyfriend is his head gets cut off by Juliet to save him. His name's Nick. And Nick's mm -hmm. head gets cut off before he can turn into a zombie after he gets bit. Yeah, because he, like, saves her from getting bit or something. Right, something like that. And so she ends up cutting his head off, and then she attaches his head through some sort of magic ritual and ends up putting his head on her hip, yep. basically. And she wears belt. it like a keychain or something like that. <laughs> and he's still totally talking and, you know, making wisecracks and stuff, kind of like a sidekick. And uh, I don't know. I kind of beat this one and just kind of sold it. I was like, meh. It didn't really grip me, which is very odd because it's a Suda 51 game. I loved No More Heroes, and I loved No More Heroes 2. I obviously mm. don't have any problems playing as hot chicks in games, but <laughs> it just didn't grip me. I don't know what it is about this game, but I don't know. You know what it is? I think a big part of it is the combo system. I hated the combo system. Oh. Yeah, it's mm. one of those games where, like, no matter how hard you try, you can't get past a certain combo level. I could never figure out how to do it, and I think that's a big part of why it frustrated me. That's fair. With a hack and slash game, like the combo system is is kind of the make or break thing. Like all you're really doing is is mashing buttons and just like destroying hordes of enemies, mm -hmm. and it can get really repetitive if there isn't some kind of an interesting way, like a, a way to like change things up. Uh, so if if it's if it's either just the, the system just doesn't exist and it's like you're always just gonna be pressing, you know, square, 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 triangle or, or something yeah. like that, then it's just gonna get really boring. Or if it's incredibly hard to pull off combos, then it's not gonna be as rewarding because yeah. you can't do the fun things that you want to see. So. Right, right. It, um, it's just but, you could always do the same combos, and you could try to, you know, kind of fill in with various different things like the stripper pole thing and whatnot. But, like, mm -hmm. the combo system wasn't user-friendly enough to allow you to get past a certain point. And you would think you were doing pretty well in the game, and then you get a bad score at the end of the level and be like, 
wait, what? Like, I was killing it. You know, I killed 90-something dudes in a row, and yet you would have a low score. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really what kind of killed it for me. And uh, maybe if there was a situation where I found out how to actually play it, I might enjoy it. But, you know, just me learning how to play the game through the in-game tutorials and everything, I just couldn't get there. That's fair. To go back about what you're talking about before, I think the like kind of pervertedness of the game was was done somewhat intentionally to kind of draw attention to certain things. I know that there is like on the Xbox a achievement, and on on the I think on the PS3 there's a trophy for it's it's really hard to do, but apparently you can position the camera in a way to try to look up her skirt. Right, and if you do that, she like covers her butt and like she gets uh, she she gets upset. And I think if you do it a certain number of times, or if you do it a certain way, you get an achievement. But it's it's not an achievement you want to have. Right, I, I forget what it's called, but it's it's one of those things like hey, you're being a pervert. So right, right, right. I remember hearing about that and thinking that was really cool. Just like not that they that that they would allow for it but just like hey you know don't do that and if you do it you're gonna get a, an achievement and all your friends are gonna see like oh hey you got the pervert <laughs> achievement I'm, and i mean i'm pretty sure yeah. i got it just to get the achievement and then afterwards i was definitely like Ugh, like Ugh. yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean there, there's definitely something to be said for the people that like tried 100 percent games like on, on playstation if you don't oh, i don't know if this was true on the ps3 but on the ps4 there's bronze silver and gold right. trophies uh and the uh, and, and platinum and the only way to get platinum is to get all the other trophies right. so like if you if, if that's how it was for this like that really kind of sucks because the only way to 100 percent the game is to do something that they that you shouldn't do and that doesn't feel good so that's right. weird so all right the composers on this we already talked about uh akira yamaoka mm -hmm. So we will not retread that. Uh, and then after taking a look at some things, it looks like this track is actually a boss track. There is a zombie character named Vika who is Viking themed and you fight them on a ship. So it would seem to me that this track was that boss theme. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about <laughs> Jimmy Urin from Mindless Self-Indulgence. They're a band. So one of their tracks was licensed for Burnout Revenge in 2005. Mm -hmm as well as Need for Speed Undercover in 2008. He apparently wrote the music for, or some of the music for Madden NFL 09, which came out in 2008. Obviously, Lollipop Chainsaw in 2012. And his last credit is for the music in the Metronomicon in 2016. Cool. Well, mm -hmm. uh, now we're at the end of the episode, and we like to pick our favorite track of the songs that we played. And we'd love to hear your favorite picks as well. So, Justin, what was uh, what was your favorite pick? Hmm. That's a good question. There's so much here that was really good. I really enjoyed the synthness of the Dream Daddy track. I liked the the smooth jazz of the Leader Shoot Larry track. I really enjoyed your Hot Dog King track. <laughs> that was really cool. I think I'm going to go with your Hot Dog King track first, uh, and then the dream daddy track just because I'm, I'm really feeling the synth wave this evening you know we picked a lot of really eclectic stuff i mean we had mm. metal we had jazz we had a latin Rap. latin kind mm -hmm. of vibe track we had classically influenced you know synth music mm -hmm. you know we had pretty much we ran the gamut of music i think the only thing we were missing there was a uh was a shamisen <laughs> that's fair that's fair I'm gonna go with my Parappa track Parappa the Rapper 2 mm. Romantic Love I love uh, this <laughs> track it's just so 
funny, and like anytime it comes on, it puts me in a good mood. So yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. But I gotta say, my runner-up is definitely that lollipop chainsaw track that came out of nowhere for me, <laughs> and uh, it was just super heavy. I never thought I'd hear blast beats on a uh, on, the, on the song in, uh, in 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 our podcast, but here we are. Yeah, hey, you know. Mm-hmm. It works. Yeah. So this was a fun episode to do, and uh, we picked a lot of really cool, eclectic music, but uh, we want to hear what your favorite tracks from this episode were. Let us know in various different ways, shapes, and forms of our social media. So we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Hart, Dan Lawton, Jordan and Anson Davis, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Scott McElhone, Chris Myers, The Autistic Gamer 89, Bedroth, Brad Austin, Chris Murray, Jeremy Rutz, Lama Adam, Marcus Stewart, Matthew Hanola, Nick Davis, and Ryan McPherson. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash XVGM radio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. You can join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash XVGM radio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both those sites is at XVGM radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links in the show notes. All right, Justin, in two weeks, we're coming back and we're being joined by a guest. And oh my goodness, I am excited for this episode. What, what's happening in two weeks? <laughs> so in two weeks, we are going to be covering a single game. It is called Paradise Killer. We're going to listen to some selections from the soundtrack. And we are going to be joined by the composer of that game, who is known as Barry Epic Topping. That's right. I'm super stoked to talk to him about his soundtrack. I love the music in this game. I found out about this game so good. Uh, last year, and I immediately sent the link to Justin. was like, yo, 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 you got to listen to this music. And he was like, yo, and then his head exploded. So, rip, Yeah, rip. I, I, I seem to remember it being like really late at night, too. Like I got a random text from yeah. like, yo, check this out. And I was like, uh, okay, Mike. And then I checked it out and was like, yo, this music is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then then we then we got the game and we we're both like this game is weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's not not a bad weird. It's just if you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, we'll we'll talk about it more on the show in two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm also curious to hear Barry's take on on it. I'm, I'm not sure like if if if, you've, if he's played the game or whatnot. But yeah. uh, man, it's so weird. It's, yeah. it's it's silly. It is a bizarre game. The best way for me to explain it, it's like if Phoenix Wright and Doom had a baby. And that baby jumped into, like, a pool of vaporwave music. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, well, in two weeks, we'll be back for Paradise Killer with Barry Topping. Again, this is Mike. And Justin. Signing off for XVGM Radio.
Uh, this came out on the Windows. The Windows. Wow, really? The Windows. This came out on the Windows. Hold on, I gotta check the Google. 